Hey, this is Hojo, and you're listening to me on Baseball and Barbecue with my two best friends, my new best friends, Jeff and Leonard. So y'all enjoy it, okay? Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musics Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is, after I get done listening to it, I'm hungry. All right, guys, take it away. Cleveland rocks, Cleveland rocks. Welcome to a very special Rockin' Cleveland episode 98 of Baseball and Barbecue. I am with Jeff Cohen, who also rocks. I rock, yes. You rock out, Leonard Aberman. You rock out. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, Jeff? Cleveland is a very special part of this episode. I feel like this episode is going to be basically four friends getting together and talking baseball. Okay. And because we have on with us Farley Dillinger and his son, Brace. I want to let you know that Farley Dillinger is a podcast personality. Yes, he is. He is. Tell us where he's from. I want to emphasize podcast personality. And he's from the podcast Baseball PhD also featuring Ed Caspitas and Mark Rantala. But for, we have Farley with us today and his son, Brace, who's also a, a, a sometime guest on Baseball PhD. They've both been on it. And the only one, so we've had on Ed. Now we've had Farley yes. and Brace. And Brace. So now we just need to have Mark. There you go. And then we will have, uh, it's not even the trifecta, it's the quad, quad, <laughs> quad I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> but uh, let's just hope that they have a lot of family that will want to <laughs> listen to them talk about baseball. No insult to Farley, but I think I think the highlight of the interview was talking to his son, Brace. Brace is a great kid. He really is. He knows he could definitely replace one of us on this podcast. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> he can take it over. <laughs> so, Brace, we give a shout out to you. And uh, we're very happy to, to have you guys on with us. It was, it was just a lot of fun. You know, Jeff, you've been on that podcast many times. Once in a while, they actually mention the fact that you have a co-host on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> you know, before we get to that, though, I, I wanted to ask you something because this is coming out in a few days. We're recording this on a Wednesday. We have in the American League right now, I would have to say, because of what he's doing, hitting and pitching, and even if you take away the pitching, he's in the running. Shoei Otani is just is 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 taking the league. It's just incredible, right? He is, yeah. He's a special player who can both pitch and hit. And why people are, I, I know people say that he should pick one or the other. Why? I mean, this is a special player who comes along once in a generation, or maybe once in a millennium. He we could, don't see he, this. He could definitely be a starter or a number two on most teams. And he is, with the bat, I mean, he, he as of, I, I don't know, you know, what will happen tonight, of course. But right now, I think he's leading the American League. He's got, he's close to 30 home runs. Yes, right? as, of, as of this recording. Let's put the disclaimer in there. As yeah. of this recording. Right. Because, you know, there's a lot of home run hitters. Vladimir Guerrero right. is going crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Acuna Jr. is going crazy. Kyle Schwarber is going crazy. Right. So there's a lot of home runs being hit. But yeah. as of this recording, right now, <laughs> Shelly is honey. He was a power pitcher and a power hitter. Now, I want to ask you this because... And again, I, I want to, you know, Otani pitching and hitting. So he is an anomaly and that's MVP right now. But let's go to the National League. You and I both root for the Mets. But even if we didn't, there is an amazing pitcher in baseball. We're, we're going to discount the fact, you know, we're not going to take into account how many pitches he throws and how many innings and all that. He has under a one ERA. I mean, he's incredible. You know, DeGrom is unbelievable, right? Jacob DeGrom is pitching incredible. A lot of times when he gets up to bat, 
because he, he's also hitting very well. Yeah, not, yeah. He's not hitting like Otani, <laughs> but he's hitting very well. You hear the chants, MVP, MVP, MVP. Right. Now, we know that there have been situations where there has been a pitcher who has won the MVP. It's, ha- it's, it's happened. happened. Yes, it right? has happened. So I want to know your opinion on pitchers winning the MVP, and should it should it be? Generally, I think the pitchers have their own awards, Cy Young Award, and, bat- and, and everybody else should have the MVP. But there are circumstances where the pitcher, and when he goes on, up and beyond everything, he should be considered MVP. And a couple of those instances in 2014, I see Clayton Kershaw won the MVP. He was 21-3 and three with a 1.77 ERA. And in that year, Jim Carl Stanton was second. So it was actually Clayton Kershaw got 18 first-place votes and Stanton got eight. It was, a, it was really a runaway. So he, he deserved it that year. He was just so, so much far above every other, everybody else. But I know what you're saying. And 2011, Justin Verlander won the MVP uh, with a 24-5 and five record. And in that voting, Jacoby Ellsbury was second. So it was Verlander had 13 first-place votes and Jacoby Ellsbury had, had four. Jose Batista had five. So, again, it wasn't close. In those circumstances, in those rare circumstances, the pitcher should be eligible. And obviously they are eligible. Right. But in those rare circumstances, they, they, should win the, they should be eligible for the MVP or win the MVP. Yeah, because the – so the thing is now is the MVP is not specified as a hitter's award. I mean, technically, a DH could win the MVP. Sure. And, sure. and not play the field, right? So right. they could win it. But, of course, the Cy Young is a pitching award. So mm-hmm. a lot of people will argue that the Cy Young award, the pitchers have their award, the hitters should have their award. But they, they do. I, there's the Silver Slugger, mm-hmm. right? I, there is an award called the Silver Slugger. Yes. And, and, but if you can tell me without looking it up, you know, who, who's won the Silver Slugger the past few years, I mean, it's not... <laughs> It's not an award that you, you know, that we know of. We know the MVP. We know the Cy Young. Right. But technically, the MVP is not, does not specify it needs to be a fielder slash hitter. No. DeGrom could win it. And, and it's, it's, it, it's one of these special years yes. where he is, is so far above everybody else. But then again, the hitters are having good years too. Acuna's doing great. Tatis is doing great. So, you know, he's going to have competition. Yes, he is going to have competition, and do you? And nobody expects him to finish the season under one in ERA. No, but the more he pitches, and 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 while we're at this, let's stop this comparison to the greatest pitchers of all time. Each of these pitchers should be considered how they are in their own era. Yes, I love Degrom. He is a great pitcher, yes. great pitcher of his generation, but he's pitching six, seven innings tops. Rarely goes over 100 pitches, and, and he's done. Just like everybody else. He's no Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Steve Carlton, the greats of the game. Sandy Koufax. I mean, those guys, they, they, they're pitching 9, 10 innings when they have to. There's, there's, so there's no comparison. So let's no, stop with no. these comparisons. You can't do it. No, you can't compare. You can't compare the generations. They, they, there's just, it's different. It's a different game. Everything is different. So, Jeff, this is episode 98. If I didn't specify it before, I don't even remember. And I, But this is episode 98. Of course, we have Farley and Brace on out of Cleveland. And it's very funny. Baseball PhD, which it, would you say is, is besides our podcast and Matt's musings and the baseball talk radio show, um, is one of your favorites? Yes. And they, you know, they've been doing it for 12 years. Yes. They, they, well, they found something, the magic formula that, that lets them have that longevity. Right. But I wanted to point out is it's very funny because another podcast is out of Cleveland, Ohio, uh-huh. and he does it live. I think it, one of the best barbecue podcasts there is, actually one of the best podcasts there is, the Barbecue Central Show with none other than host Greg Rempe, is also out of Cleveland. So it's very funny and also has been on... I, I know at least 12 years. So, And you've been our, on that show. This yes. has not been a paid endorsement. <laughs> but it's very funny that two of our favorite podcasts have been doing it a long time out of Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland rocks. 
And if you want to reach the show, our phone number is 516-855-8214. Email baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Facebook, Baseball and BBQ. The Twitter, we're at Baseball and BBQ. YouTube, Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue, where barbecue is all spelled out. You know our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate and review us. And with that... Let's introduce Farley Dillinger and his son, Brace, as we talk all things baseball. We have with us on Baseball and BBQ a huge Cleveland Indians fan. He is one of the hosts of the podcast Baseball PhD with Ed Casputis and Mark Rantala. Baseball PhD drops weekly during the, during the season, focusing on a particular team for that week. In order to get a Baseball PhD, you need to visit all 30 Major League stadiums. In his day job, he is the executive sales specialist at Janssen Biotech, Inc. Welcome to Baseball and BBQ, Farley and Dillinger, and his son, Brace. Welcome, Farley and Brace. Welcome. Hi. Uh, hey, thanks for having us on. Uh, Brace is here with me today. He is my intern. In case any statistical questions that I don't know the answer to about a certain player or something comes up, he's my, he's my library. He's my guy. <laughs> All right. First question I want to ask you, do you have your baseball PhD? I do not. I'm working on it. I think I'm at 14 or 15 stadiums. I'm about halfway through. We have planned this year uh, with the baseball PhD cast to uh, make a trip to Texas to see the new stadium there. But no, I do not have my baseball PhD yet. It's something that I'm working on. And of course, Brace as well. Oh, Brace has plenty, plenty of time, I'm sure. I, I'm about the 14 and 15 myself. Uh, that's, I'm actually- that's more like it's not a PhD. It's not a master's. It's more maybe, maybe a BS, Bachelor, uh, a bachelor's. Bachelor, yeah. <laughs> You've got your bachelor's at yeah. this point. That's Brace. about right. Brace, so how many stadiums have you been to and do you have a favorite? I think I've been around 10 and my favorite is Camden Yards. Nice. That is a beautiful stadium. My favorite happens to be PNC Park in Pittsburgh. That's, that's beautiful a stadium. beautiful stadium. Yeah. That's a really beautiful stadium. Been there a couple of times. Mm-hmm. My favorite is City Field, and don't call me a homer. <laughs> I haven't been to City Field yet. I certainly want to go. I like the Mets a lot more than the Yankees, you know. So I'd love to go to City Field and see that, and root for uh, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I might be the only one. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you could. Maybe you might want to take him back with you to Cleveland. Okay, please. All right. You know, I don't I don't know if you guys wanted to talk about that at all, but it's funny, you know, Francisco Lindor back in 2016 was great. I had just happened to be looking at his stats the other day. 2018 was his sweet spot for sure. And then he has kind of been on a decline. And you know, a lot of the sports media here in Cleveland was saying that in 2020 he was playing it safe. So he wouldn't hurt himself, you know, so he could get the big contract. And honestly, I've never wanted to believe that of Lindor. It's opposite of everything just that I've seen with him. Brace and I have been to several games. Brace has interacted with him many times. I've seen him interact with lots of people. I just didn't get that sense that he's that kind of guy. My bet, just as knowing him as a Cleveland fan, that's all, is that he every night is probably pulling his hair out. He's probably very upset about what's happening. And uh, he's probably trying too hard, honestly. He's probably trying too hard. But you guys are there. This is just what I observe and what I think from my experience here. Uh, He's only 27 years old, so I think he'll uh, he'll come out of it. I you know I hope so. And you know it's only been a couple of months. He'll be. I think he'll be fine. When this airs, he will be out of it and uh, hitting uh, very well. And uh, yeah, so. Lord, but I right. hope so. At the, at the moment great. that we're recording this, I mean, he did just have three hits. So let, let's see, you know, but 340-something, 1 million, you know, for know. 10 years for this, you know. Jeff, your son, and maybe Brace could, could probably be hitting just <laughs> <laughs> about that. Yeah. What's your batting average this year, buddy? 350. 350? 
So, Brace and, and Farley, tell us about Progressive Field that used to be called the Jake, right? Sure. I have not been there. Len has not been there. So tell us about Progressive Field. You guys got to come. You can be our guests. We'll definitely get down there and see you. So let us know when you're coming. But Progressive Field is a nice field. Opened in 1994. It was a stadium built by Populous, which was the architectural firm that built a lot of stadiums, starting with Camden Yards, I believe. And so then they just kind of got progressively better. It originally held like 45,000, 47,000. And for a long time, you know, it had a uh, record uh, for having, you know, the uh, most number of consecutive sellouts. And then that went by the wayside around my after 97, I guess. But it's a, it's a field not unlike PNC Park, not unlike Comerica, really not unlike Camden, as far as it's kind of intimate. Obviously, there's no poles or anything like that. And let's see, uh, if I'm thinking, uh, Brace, this is where I need you. How many feet is it to right, left, and center, roughly? Do you remember? I think center field's around 400, maybe 410. And... I do not. We're like, I think three set, 370 on the corner and something. So it's 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 a nice mix. I wouldn't call it a hitter's park. I wouldn't call it a pitcher's park. I'd say it's a pretty nice mix. It's, you know, it's right in the middle of downtown Cleveland. It's right next to um, where they play, uh, the, where the Cavs play basketball, the Q or what's it called? They changed Rocket the name. Mortgage Rocket Field. Mortgage Field. Now it used to be called Quicken Loans Arena. It was originally called Jacobs Field or the Jake because the owner of the team was Dick Jacobs. Uh, he ultimately sold the team. Um, the Dolans bought it. The, you know, the naming rights got changed, and now it's it's Progressive Field. A lot of people still call it the Jake, though. Old habits die hard. What can I tell you? Speaking about name changing, <laughs> it's going to be one in Cleveland soon. Uh, how do you guys feel about it, and what, uh, what do you think it, it should be called? So let me go first on this, and then you go. So... <laughs> So actually, the Indians are still initiating and having conversations. I got an email from the Indians today regarding, you know, being part of a focus group and and talking about it. You guys probably know The Athletic went ahead and did a poll and they kind of did like a round robin thing where they had different names face off against each other. And I think the name that ultimately won is the Guardians, either the Cleveland Guardians or the Guardians of Cleveland, however they would go with it. But obviously, you know, you've heard about the Spiders, the Mm -hmm. Commodores, the Rock, the Rockers, all of those names, you know, were in there. The Superman, right? Because Superman's from Cleveland, the Cleveland Superman, all that was in there. But I think as far as the athletics went, and, and my personal choice would also be the Guardians of Cleveland. Uh, for everyone who has seen Major League, which is probably everybody, yeah. at the beginning of the movie, you know, during the movie song where they're showing shots of Cleveland, one of the key shots is where they're showing these stone figures that are part of the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge, which is right next door to Progressive Field. And there are these two figures carved, one on each side, one's called Progress and one is called Prosperity. And they are the guardians of Cleveland. So that is the tie-in. So the next time you're watching Major League, you know, during the credits and the opening part, keep an eye out for Progress and Prosperity because they are might be what are at the root of the next you know, name of the Cleveland Indians. But the Indians have said uh, a couple, about a month ago or so, they said that... Um, it might not be changed by the end of the year. It might still be the Cleveland Indians in 2022. Right. They might not be able to come to a conclusion just yet. But honestly, I hope they do. I, I hope they get this done and move forward because, you know, nobody likes to be kind of, you know, we don't want to be known as the Cleveland Baseball Club. Uh, you know, I think we'd like to kind of move forward with a new name and a new identity. But I like the Guardians Brace. What What's your choice for the name? Uh, I'm with you on the Guardians. So you've given up on the Spiders. I never wanted You never wanted the Spiders? I think in history, the Cleveland Spiders were the team that had the worst record in all of MLB history ever. I don't know why we would choose that name. There are people <laughs> fanatically fanatically advocating for that name. I am not one of them. I'm glad that you joined up with the Guardians of Cleveland, buddy. That's awesome. All right, here's my opinion. The Cleveland Bobcats, because Ohio University represented 
the Cleveland Bobcats. All right. That's just, right. Saying. You are an Ohio University grad. That is right. And yeah, uh, I remember that from another podcast. Yeah. And thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> he tries and, to get it in every time, every once in a while. Anytime, anytime <laughs> we have someone from Ohio on, you know, I have I have to put that in there. And I was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame about a year ago and uh, loved it. It was great. My son went to Gambier to uh, Kenyon. So mm-hmm. we have some Ohio roots or maybe whatever. So <laughs> um, so how did you come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Did you come in the off season? I was going to say, how did you not get to the baseball park? It was, was actually, I brought him to school uh, one of the breaks. After one of the breaks, I took him. I was there for, you know, four years, never got to the... Uh, not, never got to the Football Hall of Fame and wasn't going to let it go that he was there for four years and we never got to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we did. Good. And it, and it was great. So, but yes, the Cle- well, it could be the, uh, or you want to call it the Buckeyes. Call it the Cleveland oh. Buckeyes. So there are those people in Columbus that might take umbrage with that name <laughs> at the Ohio State University, but uh, <laughs> they might take umbrage to that. So. Speaking of names. And braces on, so I'm going to keep this clean. But <laughs> Farley Dillinger, yeah. that is a name. Okay, you. that's like you—you you should be, you know, in movies with that name, starring Farley Dillinger. Well, that's awesome. Thanks. I—I've uh, <laughs> been told I have a face for radio or a face for podcasting, so maybe <laughs> that's not why I'm in the movies. Maybe that will rest with this guy here. But uh, thank you. It's an uh, Irish name. You know, my parents liked it. Kind of liked it, and it stuck, and so that's my name. Farley Embrace, I got to ask you guys. I listen to Baseball PhD. I know Jeff is the big he, – he turned me on to it. Jeff's your, uh, I guess, your fourth. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is. He is. <laughs> Jeff is very helpful on the podcast, and we appreciate it. All right. And I know that, you know, when you guys have him on and you say that he's the host of Baseball BBQ, and I want to be like – uh, hello, hello, <laughs> and there's somebody else, but I, I need to know about the show. You guys, it's the three of you, right? Three co-hosts. Yes, yes. You get together every, every weekend and record? Mostly. It seems like with everything that's been changing for the last year, you know, in baseball with, you know, what's happening? Are we playing? Are we not playing? What's happening with the virus? All these sort of things. We have been getting together pretty much every week. Sometimes when things are a little calmer, we'll record every other week. But the baseball PH, baseball PhD was Ed Casputis's idea. Mm-hmm. And it just it was, you know, taking something that we really like, baseball, obviously our favorite sport, and mixing it in with something else that we like, which is travel. And the idea behind baseball PhD is to, you know, get your PhD in life through baseball. So the idea there is that you go to all the major league stadiums, but you also do things in those cities where those things are located. So for instance, Cleveland, obviously I'm glad you hit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, if you're here at the right time of year, you can see the Cavs, you can go to the Cleveland Art Museum, which is really nice. There's a great amusement park about an hour away that I think has more roller coasters than any other one in the country called Cedar Point. It's a really great place to go. And of course, you know, there's fun to have on Lake Erie. Pro Pro Football Hall of Fame is about an hour or so south down in Canton. So those are the sort of things that we encourage folks to do on Baseball PhD when they go to these different towns is to also, you know, partake in some of these other activities. And, you know, sometimes that helps when you're taken on the family vacation, right? So the significant other who maybe isn't a baseball fan will really like the other things. I mean, we've certainly incorporated baseball in our family vacations. And, you know, my wife likes to be able to go to, uh, you know, in Chicago to go down Michigan Avenue, or, you know, if we're in DC to definitely see the sites, you know, meanwhile, Brace and I are figuring out when's game time, how much longer until we get to the ballpark. And we have gone to the ballpark separately. We get there a couple hours early and the ladies just kind of, the other family members just kind of show up you know, right about it. Second. I know that Brace likes to go down and, and collect autographs as, as he can. You have a good, nice collection there, Brace? Yeah, I've collected a lot over three, four years. What's your, you over a hundred autographs? Yeah. Wow. And he got a, he got a selfie with Karen check on Sunday. Ah. Monday. Yes. He got a selfie with Karen check. And it was funny because he sent me the picture, right? 
and he and he's like, do you know who this is? I thought it was one of his friends from school. That guy looked so young. You know, I thought it was a particular buddy of his. No, it was Karen Check. So, but to circle back, yeah. So that's the idea behind Baseball PhD is to really just have a very full experience in the places that baseball is and to just learn about life. You know, you, you're very lucky there, Farley, because you're an Indian fan. Your son is an Indian fan. <laughs> I'm a Mets fan. My son is not. He is a diehard Yankee fan. Yeah, you should see his room. <laughs> <laughs> about, about five, six years ago, it was when I first discovered baseball PhD. And I wrote to you guys because I was taking a trip to Pittsburgh and I want to know what to do on, on the way. And you guys are very nice that you got back to me and you actually sit on the, on the podcast where to go, where to stay, what to do. And during that time, my son, he got an autograph at the time. It was Garrett Cole on, on the Pirates. Now, of course, he's thrilled that he's on the Yankees. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a, one of the you know, great trips. And, and like I said before, I love PNC Park. Now, yeah. now, back to baseball PhD for a second. So then you guys do your you, – you do a talk. Sometime, it, it's interesting to listen because you never know what – tangent you're going to go off on and then usually ed has an interview with someone now do you guys ever do those interviews or is is it only ed we do sometimes you know our schedule works best to get together on saturday mornings although unfortunately sometimes the people we're interviewing are not free on saturday mornings so as a result sometimes ed kind of does the interview segment himself at whatever point during the week, the guests are available. But yeah, you're right. And we usually try and get somebody on. Uh, we, we do try and focus on a particular town, you know, or a particular team slash town every podcast. And then Ed will t- try and get a special guest on to, you know, talk about the team and what's happening. And, and like you guys, you know, I think we don't get too far into, I mean, we do talk about trades and numbers, but we do it kind of generally. We don't spend hours at a time, you know, you know, talking about, well, if we do a three-way trade with this person and this guy, and then this will happen. And we can do, we don't, we don't go to that level. We, we really just kind of, and the way the podcast works, Ed is definitely the ringleader. It was his idea to start it. We started 10 years ago. We're at 560 some episodes. Ed's the ringleader. Mark is kind of like, the wise old owl, you know, he's the eldest, uh, elder statesman on the podcast. And then I think I'm kind of the voice of the fan. You know, I'm just the, I'm just the guy who, you know, takes his kid to the ballpark to get autographs. I mean, I love baseball. I, I think I'm a pretty avid baseball fan, but I, I definitely, I think feel like I take on the role of a fan and the three of us, I hope have a good chemistry. And, you know, sometimes we, 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 it does go off on tangents. It's pretty crazy. Strangely enough, LeBron James and Christy Brinkley frequently come up on the podcast. <laughs> and I, I don't know how it happens, but it happens almost every week. Right. Well, this past year, obviously, uh, COVID has been taking a lot of the conversations. But, uh, but you actually do go into baseball. And I know Ed does, he, he does interview very interesting people. I think uh, when you're doing the Marlins, you had the guy who wrote the book on, on the baseball on the law. Sometimes yeah. you have Paul Francis Sullivan. Oh, yes. From Lockdown MLB. So, yeah. So, you guys get really uh, some great guests. And I Thanks. think you have uh, Mr. Sports Travel there once in a while as, as well. Mr. Sports Travel. When George Will wrote his book about Wrigley, uh, we actually were able to get some time with him. We had a nice 20 minutes with uh, George Will. I wish I knew what podcast number that was off the top of my head, but I don't. Oh, and I should also say, too, that the podcast was inspired by Mo Burr. So you remember Mo Berg was a catcher in the 1930s time frame. And he, um, you know, he had done a lot of things. He was a catcher who also worked for the federal government, you know, before it was the CIA. And he actually did a little intelligence work for the U.S. government as a baseball player. So Mo Berg, the story of Mo Berg, uh, based on the, the book, The Catcher Was a Spy, was kind of what made Ed think of baseball PhD and really did kind of inspire the whole podcast. Now, 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 Brace, do you uh, enjoy baseball history or just like modern day baseball? I'm more of a modern day. Do you like the way the game is played today? Because well, I'm a little old school. I like, uh, you know, bunting, hitting the runner over. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the DH. But, uh, you know, I'd like to get your perspective. Uh, I like um, small baseball and fundamentals and stuff. But I, bunting and everything, I think it's a creative way to mm-hmm. help out. 
But I think you told me, having just been to a doubleheader, that you liked the seven-inning doubleheader. Is that true? No. No, say it ain't so, Brace. No. You know, no, I, no, no. I, I, I figured this out with Len. Uh, the Mets have been rained out or snowed out or COVID out 10 times. So they got to make up 10 games, which means it'll be 10, 20 games will be seven innings. So they're going to really lop off about 40 innings, more than three, more than four games. Uh, That's going to save the bullpen. Yeah, but I'm saying, and, and don't get me wrong, I, it probably favors the Mets, but as a, as a fan, it's a, that's not really fair. No. I mean, it's, it's just not, not fair, and I don't know how Major League Baseball will continue this, but I have a feeling they will. And with the runner on second base, I have a feeling they're going to keep that as well. I'm not a fan of the runner on second, but as a fan, if you really want to stay for the game, but if your team's kind of getting beat up a little bit, then sometimes you prefer the seven innings. <laughs> it, it Depends eats, if you're winning or losing, right? Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah, I I think with all these rules, once they're out, they they just don't they they don't end them. They they, they don't change things. They once. They're in effect. They seem to stay. So I think, you, I think uh, Jeff's right. They're, they're going to keep all these. I tend to think they will, too. For me, though, the greater threat to the game right now is less those sort of rule changes, but more the approach that is being taken by, I guess, pitching and hitting. I mean, this kind of concern with launch angle, uh, you know, making sure, you know, um, I referenced this on our podcast, a couple, Sam Donaldson back when he was, Sam Donaldson, Josh Donaldson back when he was with the uh, Blue Jays did an interview. I saw it on YouTube. It was with one of the sports guys and he was given a clinic on hitting and everything. But the long and short of it was, he said, we're paid to hit doubles and homers. And I think that ultimately that's the driving thing. You know, I don't, it seems to me players don't seem to mind so much if they strike out now. And I think the way I feel like that's the bigger threat to the game, because these games are going to become, I mean, I'll tell you, the Indians are doing it this year. They're living on the long ball and these games are, I think they're losing the excitement. I love, you know, getting a couple of guys on and then the pitcher gets rattled because people are stealing. And then you do a, a squeeze play or a sacrifice bun and craziness breaks out. Those are the great, super exciting things. And when everybody's just swinging for the fences and they don't, doesn't, they don't, you know, they're not so worried about striking out. To me, that's the threat to the game. Right. Yeah. And it's just the fundamentals are just not there anymore. I mean, you can just see it. Man on second and both the shortstop, you don't go to third base. I know Gary, Gary Sanchez of the Yankees has done this more than once. And it's just it's fundamentals. And my, 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 I talk with my friend, and he, and he goes, well, they should be te- teaching, the coaches should be te- teaching this. I go, wait a second. They have to know this before they get yeah. in the major leagues. They should know this in the minor leagues. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure Brace knows that in the little league. Right. Right. Yeah, his coach is encouraging bunting uh-huh. right now, and they're working on those, you know, those that sort of small ball. Yeah. Brace, I want to know if you are going to go the Shoei Otani route. Are you going to play? Are you going to be a two-way player? I pitch a little bit, but not much. I pitch probably two innings every three games. What What do you think of him? I think it's good for the game. It brings more attention. You know, if you have people being compared to Babe Ruth, people are obviously going to be interested. He's definitely definitely unique. He is definitely a gate attraction. And, you know, somebody who pitch and hit, I mean, you don't need a DH in, for the Angels when he's, when he's pitching. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So who's your who's your favorite player, Brace? Ah, uh, now you got me on the spot. Um, <laughs> it was like Lindor, I guess. A league or favorite player on the Indians in, in the league. Who, who uh, do you follow? I usually I follow Tanya a little bit, and I follow Jacob Degrom a little bit. Ah, yeah, is, Jacob Degrom. Okay, <laughs> you're welcome. You know, you, you are welcome in New York. You may cross the border. <laughs> you may come over. To New York. <laughs> Jacob DeGrom is certainly doing a, a pitching fantastic. He's the man. I noticed something with him. I think I saw something where his velocity is going up more than it has in the past. And it's cool to see him hit triple digits sometimes, I think. Yeah, he's, he's going to be 33 soon. And his trajectory, his, his fastball has been getting faster. I mean, usually going down at this point, he, he keeps going up. 
I think yeah. he's he's thrown the most fastballs of over 100 miles an hour in in the, in the league, and it's not even close. He's he's actually on a he definitely could be considered. If he has a couple more years like this, he could definitely be a Hall of Fame consideration. Do you guys agree? Sure. Yes. Sure. Diane says he won. Two. Yeah, he, he won two, uh, and he was a uh, top three for the third. Well, um, but uh, that was last year. Uh, they were, you know, <laughs> based on what ten games. I mean, yeah. Trevor, <laughs> and, and, hey, don't tell that to Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer got forty million dollars for it. Right. You know, <laughs> right? That's but true. P- pitching today, pitching six innings, seven innings, and they're out. I mean, you have to you have to compare this in in their era because pitchers of yesteryear they would never have come out. You know, after six, seven innings, you're talking about the greats of the greats, and they would never do that. Right. For sure. Yeah, it's hard. I I agree. That is another thing about changing the game of baseball that's a little frustrating. I think part of what's great about baseball is it's kind of the same all the time. It endures. And then when we kind of change the rules that we have to start thinking about asterisks and what some of the comparisons mean in the in the record books and the stats. It's all very gets a little crazy anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, the game. The problem is. One time I said to Jeff, because he said, you know, we, we want to keep the game as it was or whatever. And I said, do you still want to just play without lights and stuff? So there are changes that progress. But do they need to change all these rules now? What is Brace? They're, they're, one of the things they're appealing to is your generation. They're worried when you're older, you're not going to want to go to baseball games. Now, you are a rare exception, but your generation with so many other things they're concerned about that. But I don't know that these rule changes make it appealing to anyone. I mean, it, it's just totally changing the game. I, I just don't know that it's it, it's not like somebody isn't watching the game because of something, you know, a runner on second. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? They're they're they just they're toying too much with the game. My opinion. Brace, what yeah. do you think? One of the things that I would actually like to ask you is what do you think about the shift? I know they're trying in the minors where they're trying to keep two uh, infielders on each side of the infield so that you see more hits and it's not just a ground ball to the second baseman in the middle of right field. Yeah, I'll I'll answer that. He was asking asking me. (laughs) I I thought he was asking me, but that's all right, Jeff. No, please. Go ahead. No. (laughs) All right, I'll tell you quickly. Personal opinion. I think that the shift we've had people on that because we always say, why aren't they just hitting where they're not, you know, put down a bunt, do this, do that. And we've been told, you know, that not as easy to do that by some players. Other players have said, yeah, I would have done that in my day. I think that the shift is okay because it's part of managing. That's, that's part of it. You run a risk that if you put the shift on and the guy does hit it the other way, you're really, that, that's the way it goes. So you run that risk. If you can't hit out of that, that's a challenge. I'm okay with shifts. Jeff, what do you, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I'm total agreement with you. I, you have the pitcher and the catcher, but the other seven fielders, I think the manager can put them anywhere he wants. And it's up to the batter to make the adjustment. And I know, and he's right, we've had on people who said, like we had on Howard Johnson, and he said, you know, he was, a, he was a batting coach, and it's not as easy as it looked to hit the other way. But you know what? It's been done gener- for generations. And, and to beat the shift, you can like put down a bunt, you know, choke up, you know, shorten your swing. It can be done. That's the way I feel about it. And actually, I tend to agree with that, too. I'm, I'm more, you know, I'm more a fan of them adjusting. And, you know, that's the latest thing, too. You know, people are banging on the shift. I, I don't know. I, again, I think them not being able to adjust and beat the shift is a function of, I think, what we were saying before, what I was saying, was that, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that, you know, the issue that we have is everybody's trying to hit home runs and doubles. And beating the shift ain't a home run or a double. So, I don't know. I agree with you guys. What do you, are you, what do you want to do with the shift, Brace? I think we can keep it. One of my favorite moments, I think, was in the playoffs. Carlos Santana let off the game and Josh Donaldson was, like, playing Pass shortstop all the way over there, and he just dropped on a bunt. And then I just saw Donaldson, and he got really upset. And then the next time they didn't play the shift on Santana. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, exactly. that's a, that's, first of all, that's excellent. And second of all, that brings me to my next point. It's come up lately 
old school, especially with Tony Larusa, right? Who's an old school manager. And you've got a couple of players. I think Fernando Tatis, you know, swung at a three and O pitch and they were up by a lot. These unwritten rules of baseball, how they're changing. What do you guys think of that? These unwritten rules and are they still something that we should consider? I'm going to let you go first. Cause I want to hear what you have to say. Cause I don't want, I don't want to, I, I just want to hear what you have, what you have to say first brace. Go ahead. For example, the three Oh count. I am fine with the swinging cause in baseball. Well, it depends if you're swinging at three Oh and the manager's mad, like Tony Larusa, well, then you're probably up by a lot of runs, but also what's going to get attention to the game is excitement and more home runs and more celebrations and all that. So the interesting thing with the younger generation compared to us is, you know, I think, you know, Brace, I mean, he's been following baseball for like five, six years, you know, so he's not really kind of familiar with that. I mean, when was the last time we even saw, you know, somebody hit a home run and then the next guy comes up and gets beat? Man, we, we haven't, you know, with, if they celebrate a little. Now we're seeing bat flips that go halfway up the thing and you know, nobody's getting beamed on the next thing or whatever. So I think it's been changing for a while. It is interesting because I think Commissioner Manfred has, you know, kind of made the point that he wants the players to build their brand. You know, he wants to, he wants to kind of create player identity. He wants personalities that I think people can kind of latch onto. Until they do something that the commissioner doesn't like, like when Trevor Bauer does his vlog and, you know, says he doesn't like the commissioner and wears T-shirts that says the the Astros cheated and, you know, really gets people worked up. So so I think that that sort of thing is going to keep changing. I I think that those unwritten rules are probably going to continue to get broken. I think they're probably going to kind of go by the wayside. Yeah, uh, the thing with the Tony Russo thing is, though, he specifically told, I think it was Mercedes, your men, not to swing. And that's the problem I had. You know, in a home run, I didn't have a problem. It, his, he disobeyed his manager. The guy's the manager. You, you do what he says. And that's, that's true. That was my, uh, my problem. Mm-hmm. Now, when that happened with Tatis, he claimed that he missed the take sign on 3-0. and What did Mercedes say? Did he come out and say, yeah, I saw him tell me not to and I did it anyway? Or how how did that unravel? I don't remember how that that played out. And one of them hit it off. It wasn't a pitcher. It was a position player that came in, right? It was a lopsided score, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty harsh. You know, but you know what? It's kind of, you're, you got to keep playing the game to the end. That's the problem. Then if you're if you're going to put in, say, a position player to pitch because you're down by so many runs, then then you might as well just put in the mercy rule and end the game. Because what what are you going to do if they put in a position player? You're, you're just going to get up there and strike out. You might as well just say mercy rule. I've get heard them over. pontificate about that on uh, the Cleveland Indians radio broadcast. You know, what do you do when, you know, you're in a situation and a team's bullpen is decimated for whatever reason, injuries, uh, lots of work, a, a long game before or something. And, you know, somebody's up by, you know, 10 runs in the seventh inning. Should we call it quits? Uh, you know what? I went to a game at, at Shea Stadium and Mets were down over 10 runs to the, the Braves in the eighth inning and they scored 10 runs and they took the lead and won. I remember Mike Piazza hitting a, a, a great home run, a line drive home run. You know, that's the beauty of baseball. It's not over until it's over. The Indians had a comeback win like that in like... Uh, we were playing a seven-inning game, and it was the six, and we were down 4 nothing. So it wasn't... Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about there was one back in 2000. I was well, still... Be, the field? Before you were born, against actually. Seattle? I think it would have been like 2004 against... Probably against Seattle. Or the Astros. Yeah, I think it was against Seattle. So at any rate, they came back from some, like, I don't know, it was like 14-run deficit or something. Yeah. It can happen. It can happen. And the right. games are historic. They're precious. Exactly. Right. That's the beauty of it. Agreed. Yes, exactly. Sure. What, what do you guys think of, of the pitch count? I mean, was, you know, it's famous with Kevin Cash took out, oh. like, like so, yeah, in the World Series. He knows the stuff. <laughs> That's why I bring him to the, you yeah. know, he knows this stuff. That, stuff I can't I, when I saw that, I was shocked. And the Dodgers were, they, they were so happy. I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? You know, pitching pitch counts. 
I don't know. You know, they've got this all figured out with statistics now that, you know, they know when a guy's arm's tired, they or theoretically, they know when a guy's arm's tired, they, they you know, want to make sure that they can optimize this pitcher so he doesn't have dead arm in August. I, that's another one where it's the way of the world. I mean, we're not going to, gone are the days where somebody just keeps pitching and pitching and pitching and does 140 pitches in a game. We'll never see that again. No. No, I mean, even don't. if they had a no-hitter going, I don't know, unless it was the last game of the season, I don't know if they let anybody go 140 pitches. No, that last one, that, yeah. I mean, remember when uh, Johan Santana went, uh, it was 137 pitches, and they said it was never the same. I tend to doubt that, but whatever. But Corey Kluber uh, threw a no-hitter a couple weeks ago, and now he's down. Right. And he only threw 100 pitches. Right. So, yeah, so it had nothing to do with that, Brad. Yeah, go figure. But I always... I always feel, in my opinion, that if the pitcher is not pitching under stress, no runners on, he's nice and easy, nice flow, there's really no reason to take him out after, you know, a certain amount of pitches. But, you know, I'm not, not, a, not in the dugout, am I? <laughs> right. And here's another one. These seven-inning games. It's a seven-inning game. That's the game. Guy throws a no-hitter. It happened. Bum Gardner, right? Right. And yet it's not a no-hitter. And I don't understand that. I, I mean – I, you know, it, it's a no hitter. He didn't get any hits in that game. They call a seven inning game a game in a double header. Right. So it fits the definition. It doesn't, you know, the definition of a no hitter is not nine innings. I don't think. I think it's just no, a game. Know, a game. It's a game. And it's not a game that's range shortened because, okay, that's different. The game was scheduled for nine innings or seven innings and it ended in the six because of rain or whatever. But the game is seven innings. Now, chances are, we don't know, of course, players lose it in the eighth. They lose it in the ninth. It's not his fault. It's seven inning game. He went seven innings, no hits. And yet it's not considered a no hitter. Come on, man. <laughs> Say something controversial so that we, you know, we'll, we'll get a lot of people listening to this. Come on. Come on. Say something crazy. <laughs> I thought everything I said was crazy. I don't know. No, I, no, I think he should. I think it should count. Maybe that's. I don't know if this counts or not. It's. I think it should count as a no hitter. I mean, if you, I guess we put an asterisk by it. We're gonna Whatever. put a lot of asterisks. Historical yeah. achievements, yes. The, the record book, which baseball loves records. Right. It's really gonna be interesting how they go go forward. And the record that's book the is frustration, shot. right? Yes. As we move forward, as we the record move. book is. Yes. I, I don't even know what the record – if I open the record book right now, it would probably be asterisks after asterisks. I yeah. mean, it's just crazy. Well, there are no books. It's all online now. That's right. <laughs> but, hey, I have a question for you guys, if I sure. could. Sure. We can't do this talk without talking about barbecue. Ah. Now, I got a confession to make. I'm coming to you guys for help with this problem. Jeff, do you hear that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Godfather, I got a confession to make. <laughs> I'm making this confession. Go ahead. Farley Dillinger, and make your confession. My wife will attest to this. I can't believe I'm going to say this on this podcast. I don't particularly care for barbecue. But, but, but <gasps> that said, it's quite possible that I just haven't had the right kind of sauce. Because, for instance, I like wings. I like all the, I can eat all the wing stuff. I like chili. I, I mean, I like other foods that have some of the primary ingredients of barbecue sauce. I like honey. I do. But for instance, I'll give you guys a clue. Sweet Baby Ray's is a popular, you know, national brand. We, my, we know it well. Yeah. That my wife particularly, I, for me, so this is Mary, you can help me. I think that Sweet Baby Ray's is the exact wrong mix of sweet and smoke. It doesn't work for me. So what kind of sauce do I need? Do I got to go more tangy? Do I got to lose the smoke or lose the sweet? Or what do I got to do to join this fraternity <laughs> of BBQ? I think you need to experiment and, and try to find that perfect sauce for you because sauces are different for everybody. You, Nick Mangold has a sauce now. He used to be a, a football player for the New York Jets. I heard that podcast. Yes, he was very good. Thank you. Uh, we had uh, Ray Sheehan has a barbecue a, Buddha. Barbecue Buddha. He has some great sauces. 
So yeah, you should just try. What do I want to shoot for? If I don't like Sweet Baby Ray's, what do I want to shoot for? Tangy? Do I want to go more? And I do like like buffalo sauce and you know stuff like that. What do I want to shoot for? You you know it's a good sauce that if you it I think they sell it at Ace Hardware now. Um, They definitely you could get it online. Blues Hog is a fantastic sauce that I I really like because I don't know. Well, actually. Yeah, barbecue Buddha, Ray Sheehan. You can get barbecue Buddha online. I don't know if he has it in. He, I don't think he's in in Ohio yet. But I mean, Nick Mangold is an Ohio State guy. So you, yeah, you, you know, you got. Well, you guys are in Cleveland, but you got to get some. Uh, oh, what, what's the name of his sauce anyway? I mean, we just had him. I know, and I can't remember. Sweet, <laughs> sweet with a little heat and a lot of heat. Right, I can't yeah, remember. Right, yeah. It's got a, the beard on it. Another and, one. Another one I would suggest is Head Country has, oh, a, has, a, yes. has a great, great barbecue sauce as well. And again, you can get that on Amazon oh. or wherever. I am and writing it down. I am writing it down. We just had on. We haven't released it yet, but when this is out, it will have been released. Bree Blackford. Thank you. Elder's Kitchen. Yeah, Elder's Kitchen. See, I because I don't know. I I happen to like Sweet Baby Ray's, but. I, I like to use, you know what? There's there's these barbecue sauces of the month clubs and things like that that you could try. There's, I mean, there's so many different sauces. I know Jeff, don't you don't you like uh, that dinosaur one? There's the dinosaur one out there, yes, as well. Right. I I don't know if you if it's is Sweet Baby Ray's too sweet for you. What's yeah. uh, I don't like the sweet and for and like I just don't like the mix of sweet and smoke in that one for some reason. I don't know why. Mm. Probably more of the sweet than that that gets to me. Yeah. You know, you may not be a sauce lover. You may just like, you know, like some people like They're not everybody rib, puts sauce dry. on everything. Right. Yeah, they like ribs dry. There's brisket, a yeah. you know, with a, I mean, a, I love ribs. I love brisket. I even like, you know, I like pork. I I I like all the meat. I like it all. You don't have to like sauce. You know, a lot of barbecue places, they serve sauce on the side. They don't sauce their meat because that's hiding the, uh, you know, the, the, the smoke, the flavor of the meat. So they'll serve it on the side. You, you know, you, you may not be a sauce guy. All right. Uh, so okay. there's some dry rubs and stuff like that. And I should start asking for sauces on the side. Yes. Maybe some samples. That's a good idea. And I like the BBQ of the month club. I could try that too because my wife would be into that one. Also, for sure, she would think that's cool. It's fun. It's fun because every month you get a box. You never know what you're going to get in it. So that's fun. But there's so many, like I said, there's so many sauces out there. And I love when I'm in other states to just go into the grocery store because you're going to see sauces that you don't see, you know, in your state. It's just, it's it's unbelievable, all the all the stuff. So, and you could try making your own. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Maybe I should yeah, maybe I should just start there. <laughs> you could cuz then you could control the amount of sweetness. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't <laughs> have to, you know, the you're not going to put liquid smoke in it, you know, right. or whatever. So, you could do that. Yeah, get braced to help you try. Too. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't give up. Don't exactly. give up. All right. No, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Hey, I like again. I love to try and expand my palate. I'm always finding stuff that I like that I never thought I'd like or didn't used to like or so uh oh it's a project I'm telling you this is a project because you know it's a good project it's part of summer yeah it's an important part of summer and and don't give up on baseball PhD it's a great podcast I don't before we go I want you to tell us uh, everybody where they can get you I know you have a website and emails if they want to get in contact with you so I want you to go ahead and give us your, your plug Oh, yeah, thanks. So uh, baseballphd.net is kind of the central hub where it lives. But you can literally get this podcast on just about any service. Of course, Apple, you know, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. I found us on the, um, there's the other ones there. Uh, I, I have found it on virtually every podcast service. So it, it, it's it's out there. Baseballphd.net is the website. Baseballphd podcast. You give it a search. It's going to be on your favorite uh, podcast uh, network. And, and the email address? Oh, uh, that's ideas at baseballphd.net. Yes, and that's burned in my head because I know Folly says it every week. Yes, I do. Mine too. <laughs> I know Brace makes an appearance every once in a while as well. 
Those yeah. are my favorite. That's what I was going to say. The ones where Brace is on this year, I know Brace was on a bunch of them. Those are my favorite. I really, no, Brace, I'm not just saying that. You really bring a, an interesting perspective to it. You know your stuff. You are really, really good on it. So I want you to know how, how much, I, I'm so glad that you're on tonight with us. You're welcome back here anytime. And I really enjoy Baseball PhD. Jeff turned me on to it. I enjoy listening to you guys. And uh, I, I'm just glad that you give Jeff a, a, another place that he can be. <laughs> you know, we love it when Jeff's on. He's like the voice of reason. I mean, you, know. <laughs> you can't take him, though, permanently, okay? No, no, no. no, no. All right. No, you could hey. borrow him. Thank you very much for having us on. It's an honor. I mean, when I look at the list of guests that you guys have on, I feel like the turd in the punch bowl. So thank you very much for having me on. And Brace, thank you, you know, this kid, I'll tell you, he's something. Before we go, is a, a coincidence that we had on back in, uh, I think, April, we had on a, an author named Dave Berger, who happened to be a friend of yours. And I, I you know, it, 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 what, what a coincidence. I, I had no idea when we had him on. True story. Dave Berger, he wrote the book about the crazy baseball injuries. And apparently, you know, Zach Plesak now needs to be added to that list because he broke his thumb while aggressively taking off his jersey. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, it's terrible. It's right. Because that guy's out for what? How many weeks? Uh, he'll be back in the middle of July. Yeah. So a long time. But Dave Berger actually grew up across the street from me. Our mothers were great friends. And I was a couple years older than him, but we kind of, you know, hung out together. And he is a really great guy from a really great family. And when Ed, we interviewed him also. And when Ed said, Dave Berger, he wrote this book. And I said, he said something about he's from Ohio. And I said, is he from Strongsville? Yeah. I grew up across the street from him. So then when we, so I was present for that interview on the podcast and that was a hoot. That was, yeah. a, Dave's a great guy. I hope everybody buys his book. Yeah, <laughs> no, he was great. Good. Yes. He's a good guy. Brace, I've got a question for you. Speaking of injuries, there are, some teams are getting bit by the injury bug worse than others. Of course, the, the Mets are, are one and the Yankees and it just, it's all over baseball. I th I'm thinking that part of the game might be you get to wrap some players up in bubble wrap and they play in bubble wrap. What do you think of that? And then you could, and then in between innings, you could pop the bubbles because those are always fun to do. But you want me to answer? He said, I can answer that one. I think that would definitely be something that the guys who do the race, uh, you know, halfway through the fifth inning. <laughs> what they should do is get wrapped in bubble wrap. It is strange, though. You got to get, boy, that's a whole other podcast. Why are guys getting injured at the rates they are now? Now, I know this year is maybe funny because we're coming off of, you know, the COVID year. But we've been talking about this in years past. Why are these guys, you know, are they really so finely tuned? Are they just to tolerance, you know, that anything will really mess them up? Or, or, are, or are these guys, do they not get enough time off? Do these guys just need to fatten up in the off season? I don't know what the answer is. Well, I was also listening to something. And they were talking about how these players, like a DeGrom, who's, who's you know, throwing 101 or whatever. And it's getting to the point where these hitters can't get around on these pitches anymore. So and that's not injuries per se, but I wanted to throw that in as well. Is that, is it getting to the point where these guys are throwing so fast that it's getting harder to hit? Yeah. I mean, after a while, how fast, you know, a pitch goes so fast and the human eye is just, how do they even see that ball? I think that's time for another podcast, Len. And, oh. and the question there, too, you know what, it is another, but the question there, too, is, you know, let's go back and check the record book and see, I mean, certainly there were guys that were through in the high 90s 20, 30 years ago, right. but does spin rate have something to do with it? Yes, you know? that's the other thing. You're right. Yes. yes. I mean, I'm yes. hearing stories now about baseball players who go pick up a foul ball and the ball's like sticking in their mitt because they're, the pitchers are now using some sort of, you know, mm. rosin sunscreen mix that really makes the ball sticky, and then the spin rate goes up, and then you got a lot of late movement. So a 95-mile-an-hour pitch with a lot of movement, you know, a lot of spin 
is different than just whirling it out there. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot of podcasts right there. Yes. Yeah. So, but we will leave that for another time. I want to thank Farley. I want to thank Brace for joining us. Thank Listen you. Listen to Baseball PhD. They're a fun group of guys. And, you know, please t- take a listen to them. Thank, thank you, Farley. You thank you, Brace. Thank you. Len, great talking baseball with, with Farley and Brace. Yeah, it's like it, it's really just baseball is one of those things that you have. It, it's funny. You can complain about it all you want, right? It's like family. You could complain about it, but if somebody else, hey, that's my family. <laughs> no, but everyone has complaints about it, but everyone loves it. You know, right. I, it's, it's never going to be perfect. They are tinkering a lot with it. We did talk about yes, that. Yes, we did. And I want to thank, uh, uh, thank Farley yeah. for bringing them some barbecue into the conversation. That was very nice of him. Yes. 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 I, I want to know, because it's been, it's been a few weeks since we did that interview, and uh, we're coming out this bonus episode because we specifically wanted to get that out there. Um, we want to have them. People, it, it was just a lot of fun to speak to them. We want to share that. But I'd like to know, has he now that the season is well underway, barbecue season, let us know what's going on with the sauces. Have you had sauces? Have you made a sauce? I want to know his experience with sauces. Yeah, so maybe, maybe we'll get a call or a letter or something from Farley or Brace telling us, or maybe even Farley's wife uh-huh. telling Farley. us, right? <laughs> Whatever, you know, maybe Ed, I don't know, maybe there or, uh, or Mark telling us about their experiences with the sauce. Anyway, Jeff, I guess it's time to end the show. Yep. How are we going to end it today? Ace and Bobo. From our friends, the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser. Thank you, everyone. And we will see you on episode 99. See ya.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.